and it is time to talk travel. Sally Lucas, off to a very interesting part of the world, especially now that we hear that Arabic is on the rise as a language spoken at home in Australia. Of course it is. Uh, um, with all the Muslim population, of course, here now in Australia, of course, we do have a, a large amount of people who would be speaking that tongue. And we all hear about Dubai, of course. It's become very much in the news over the last few years with Emirates and such a fast-growing area. And, of course, Abu Dhabi also in the United Arab Emirates. So you can fly with either Etihad to Abu Dhabi or with Emirates to Dubai, of course. And they have wonderful connections huge network of connections into Europe. So it's an interesting way to go into Europe instead of going via London as the way we all used to go once upon a time. But now that we have these options available to us, and even with Qatar Air, they also have some great options via Doha to get you into Europe. So it means you don't have to if you're not wanting to go via the UK, which some people don't. They've been there before or they choose that they just really want to go into Europe, you can include a really lovely little package holiday for yourself in the Middle East on the way through. And there's just so much to see and do there, and it is so full of history and culture. So it's not all just about Dubai with its, you know, towering buildings now and the tallest hotel in the world and that wonderful real bit of real estate called the Palm Jumeirah where all these housing is built out in like fronds of a palm. I mean, you can go into the desert and you can still get into old areas of souks and all that sort of stuff as well. And Abu Dhabi is a very fast-growing community again as well. And both these places offer you options to do desert trips and go out and have a night in the tents under the stars. And, you know, they have great shopping complexes, of course, and water sports, etc. But then if you wanted to go, you know, either south to Amman or north to Jordan, um, Amman's closer. Um, it's sort of adjacent to the Emirates, whereas Jordan's probably about a one-and-a-half-hour flight um, to go there. And... They've just got so much history and culture there as well. If you ever want to go online and have a look, which we always suggest you do to forearm yourself with all this wonderful information we can avail ourselves for, for now, for now on the internet, um, Oman and both Jordan have got beautiful coastlines, pristine waters, but then you've still got, you know, a mixture of desert and also you know, modern cities and old cultural cities that are still there from the past. And they've got some of the old sailing craft on the waters as well, don't they? The old dows and things. Yes, they do. And I think Jordan particularly, I find, is fascinating because it was there. I mean, it's famous too for some of the movies it's made. And I guess originally it became famous for Lawrence of Arabia, which was more than 50 years ago now, would you believe? Um, In September this year is the 50th anniversary of the making of Lawrence of Arabia. Would you believe that? That's the movie. Yes. Quite apart from Lawrence himself exactly and recently there have been um, movies that have been filmed there as the Hurt Locker and um, the Gladiator and a movie on um, the uh, notorious Mr Bin Laden which is time for release uh, later this year so anyhow the to go in there you've got Petra which is what I really wanted to talk about Um, and it's just the most fascinating area it's these these giant red mountains or pink rose-coloured rocks and vast mausoleums of, of a, again, a departed race that they really are not sure where they departed to. And it was found just by chance again because you've got to go in through what they call a SIQ, S-I-Q, and it's this, you've got these huge towering gorge, you know, that you walk down about a kilometre. You can do a donkey ride if you're not able to walk. And then it just opens up into this wonderful city that's been carved into the rock. Um, The most famous building of which is, is called the Treasury. 
And um, I have posted a, a photo of that on, on our Facebook if you want to have a look as well. Um, and it's the most magnificent building and it, it's a real world wonder. So it was a, it's a vast city. As I said, it was carved into this sheer rock face by the Nabataeans and they are a very industrious Arab people who settled there more than 2,000 years ago. And they turned it into an important junction for the silk, spice and other trade routes that link China, India and Southern Arabia with Egypt, Syria, Greece and Rome. So as I said, the entrance to the city is through the Sikh, which is a narrow gorge over a kilometre in length and 80 metres high each side you have these cliffs and then you walk into this wonderful and get your first glimpse of the treasury as the first building that you get to see as you come at the other end and it's a massive facade 30 metres wide and 43 metres high carved out of just this sheer wonderful dusky pink rock face and it sort of dwarfs everything around it and it was carved in the early um first century as the tomb of an important Nabataean king and uh, it represents quite um, a remarkable as we all all these things are remarkable, the engineering genius of these ancient people. Um, you know, the pyramids to your Easter Island statues to Stonehenge to, we could go on and on. They, they did some remarkable engineering feats of which we still are unsure how, how they, they did them. How yes. did they do it? You know, um, you've also got Akabar, of course, and, um, it's a wonderful Red Sea resort there. So it's a delightful place to go for a, a relaxing holiday base if you wanted to do that, which is in the southern area of Jordan. And it's like a really fun place to go but you've still got some history there but they've got excellent hotels along the the, uh, the waterfront there and also you've got what they call Wadi Rum and you can do a hot air balloon over this and again this is a magnificent um, I guess area untouched by humanity and it's all these incredible again rock shapes and forms that are quite unique like I suppose Cappadocia and Turkey where you fly over that area there in a hot air balloon as well so you've got this maze of monolithic rockscapes that rise up from the desert floor up to heights of about 1750 metres so it's quite remarkable and it's a natural challenge apparently also for serious um, mountaineers and you can also hike through there as well there's canyons and all sorts of things to do so you know Jordan is a fascinating place um, and then of course you've got the city of Jerash as well which is a close second to Petra on the list of favourite destinations in Jordan as well because it's an ancient city and um, it was um, dates back about oh, human uh, sort of an unbroken chain they say of human occupation dating back about six and a half thousand years and it's sort of on a hilly wooded area and it's quite fertile so it's different again and again you've got lots of links with the Romans there and Roman areas and you know, just just fascinating. I mean, the Romans just travelled throughout so much of this vast continent of the world and brought infrastructure. Yeah, amazing. And you think of still today of those wonderful viaducts and things that you see that haven't got a bit of cement or mortar. Huge structures just held in place by the weight of the stones and the balancing of it. Again, engineering feats that I don't think we could do any better today. On to NURFM's Talking Travel. It's 22 past one. And Sally Lucas, we're in the Middle East. We are, and we're going to Oman now. And um, it's um, considered a fairly neatly preserved slice of the Arabia of yesteryear. So it's a lot of the old is really in Oman. And um, its well-defined culture has actually commendably resisted um, the most invasive of Western influences. So you really are going to see traditional culture buildings etc there very much so and um, apparently it had much to do with the guiding hand of one of the sultans um, 
which apparently he was an absolute monarch, um, but had a benevolent streak, and his rule began in 1970. And um, anyhow, he, he wanted to make sure that they, they kept everything the way it should be and not have the invasion of, of the Westerners in there. Um, so it's quite an area, again, of beauty of its cities and regional areas, um, and it has a lengthy coastline, again, a beautiful coastline dotted with some quite alluring towns and a, and a very verdant southern province um, that sort of acts as a counterpoint to the vast tracts of, of the desert area. So again, you've got this mix of, of desert and greenery. And Muscat, I suppose, I think I, I, that name always, again, I conjure up images about Muscat. It just, it's just something about that name. And it's Oman's capital, of course. And um, it's a low-rise city, and it's home to about 730,000 inhabitants. So, you know, it's a small population, really, if, when you think of it. And um, it's got beautiful white and beige sort of Islamic-type architecture. And uh, so it's, it's lovely. And it's got parks and greenery there as well and mountains behind it so and you've got a waterfront corniche going around that area as well with this wonderful apparently it's thought to be one of the best or most beautiful mosques uh, called the sultan Qaboos grand mosque and um it, it can uh, accommodate twenty thousand worshippers mm. and again apparently it features some mind-boggling feats of construction and design there's also a royal musket opera house and of course you can visit to the, a visit to the city's old quarter would be a must as well as we said with these souks as they call them and markets and also they've got a wonderful fish market any of those local markets aren't they fantastic to go through great fun they're not for tourists that's what the locals use every day to go and do their shopping you know and it's i just love markets i think you just soak it all up the smells and the sights and the color and just just fantastic um and then also you've got an ancient capital Nizwa and apparently it's quite it's an oasis town it's surrounded by oceans of sand apparently located in the central inland region and um it's not go doesn't get very many tourists there but it's actually quite accessible from Muscat it only takes about an hour and a half by car so you know you can go out there and again it was a key trading post again for centuries linking the modern capital which is Muscat with the southern Dofar region so there's a lot to see there there's wonderful forts that were built in the middle of the 17th century and it's considered one of the biggest forts on the Arabian Peninsula and apparently you can it's worth it to go up to the top of the central tower which is a bit of a tricky narrow ascent to get up there but well worth it when you get to the top so it's another sort of uh, area where you've got these wonderful architectural feats um, and this world heritage listed they've got an irrigation channel that has been the livelihood of you know particularly a desert scorched area uh, for centuries and they have those in uh, Karez I remember in China just uh, diverging where they can they used to dig down then across so they go vertical horizontal till they accessed water and I always remember being in the Gobi Desert once and they had the most beautiful watermelons because they could irrigate because they'd found that water beneath through this incredible irrigation system so again the advancement of people back in those early times is remarkable um, yes and then Dofar of course is in the southernmost region of Oman and that again you've got an oasis of green but also surrounded by, by desert because it gets monsoonal rains uh, from June to September and they call it the Garden of Eden so it's a beautiful part of the world to visit you will get a lot of history and culture it's quite accessible from Abu Dhabi as I said or Dubai to get into um, we can't fly direct of course into Oman or to, to Jordan from here but it's it's not far they're very short connections and certainly well worth it because Dubai itself being a modern city as I said as it is now you probably wouldn't want more than four nights there 
but if you're wanting to like have a nice couple of weeks holiday, you could do a combination of a week in Jordan, a few nights each in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and maybe you know even go down and have you know four or five days in, in Oman or even longer. So it's certainly worth considering, and there's some wonderful um, you know information on your websites to look at all these places and keep them in mind, and or contact your travel agent if you're not sure. And of course, I know two and you are always helps out where possible to. post people in the right direction if they've not got all the information here today. And for getting around in a lot of these Arab countries, Mm. there's some pretty good roads built these days. Well, there are, you know, because they've got the, um, well, of course, the wealthier areas, particularly with their oil fields, they've got the infrastructure and the the money to provide a good road system. So you're not travelling on dirt tracks or anything like that. You are travelling on good sealed roadways. And, you know, even between Abu Dhabi and Dubai, it's only 160 kilometres. So it's not far. So it's quite easy to incorporate those two, you know, by road yourself. It's not, not a drama at all. But you would need to fly, obviously, to get to either Jordan or Oman. And thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. That's Talking Travel for today. We'll be back next Friday with some more tasty treats from the world of travel on 2NURFM.